Well, good morning. For those of you that have not met me, I hope to meet you. Uh, I made a promise to you last time I preached that, um, that I've already broken, and that promise is that I, I'm a guy who, if I meet you twice, I'll remember your name. Well, I said that and didn't recognize that we have 1,500 to 2,000 people here, and so uh, that was true of the church we planted five years ago. Uh, that, that was uh, about 10% of this size. So for those of you who, uh, who, who uh, I've not met, I hope to meet you today. And for those of you who I have met uh, three or four times, I hope that today is the day I remember your name. So bear with me in that. But it is a pleasure to be with you. It's truly my privilege today to preach the gospel over us as a church family. And it's, it's my hope And it's my desire that we will grow in our understanding of the gospel. And that in doing so, our joy, as we'll find in Philippians 2, would be made complete. And so today we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And the title of this is that we are a gospel-transformed people. That that's who we are. And so there's going to be a lot about identity that we're talking about today and how we live out of it. But before we jump in, I want to read the passage to us in Philippians chapter 2. If you're new to the Bible, Philippians is in the New Testament, it's about halfway through. Um, If you're familiar with the Bible, you're probably familiar with this passage. This is one of four Christological passages that we find in the New Testament that speak deeply about who God is and what he's done for us through Jesus Christ. So let's read this together. Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. Paul says, If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, Any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Then he says this, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, in humility, he says, count others more significant than yourselves. Verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or held on to. In verse 7, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray together. Holy Father, we thank you that you have saved us. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving this church family. Father, as we look into what you have done for us through your son Jesus, increase our joy so that we can better live out of our identity. Thank you for making us new. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that if anyone 
is in Christ, he is a new creation. A new creation, altogether new. As Christ followers, we have a brand new identity. A brand new identity. And I'm going to give us an identity statement that if you're taking notes today, I encourage you to write down. So we're going to be building from this. And the statement is this. We are servants of King Jesus who serve others as Christ has served us. Let me say that again. We are servants of King Jesus who serve others as Christ has served us. Now, when I say that, when you see that statement, when you write it down, what feelings are you experiencing? Let's just, let's just pause for a few minutes, not minutes, but moments, and let's think about the feelings that you're experience, experiencing right now when you hear that identity statement. We are servants of King Jesus who serve others as Christ has served us. There are a lot of us in this room today and we're probably experiencing a lot of different emotions, a lot of different feelings. Maybe you're here today and and you have not yet placed your faith in Jesus. You're on a journey. You're still trying to figure out what all of this is about. Maybe you're questioning this idea of a new identity. I want to encourage you that as we look at the gospel, you're going to recognize that in Christ you find an identity that is given to you that you don't have to earn. And there's going to be freedom for you today, realizing that there's nothing left for you to do in Christ. Maybe you're here today and you've been in Christ for a little while. This is not new to you. You've read this passage. But the idea of being a servant just isn't sitting right. You feel like all you do is serve. You feel as if you haven't been served. And you're in a place where you deeply want someone to consider you. Maybe you're here today and and you're rejoicing in this identity statement. Because you recognize that in it is the very truth of the gospel. Of who God is and what he's done for us. We all find ourselves in a unique place this morning. And it's my prayer and my hope that we will all find ourselves firmly rooted and who we are in Christ, and that if we're not yet in Christ, that today would be that day. You know, the gospel is really the answer to four questions. The gospel is really the answer to four questions. And the first question is this, who is God? Who is God? The second question is this, what has he done? What has he done? Because of Who God is, because of his character and nature, he acts out of it. He does something. So who is God? What has he done? The third question is this, who then are we? So because of who God is and what he has done, we then are. Our identity comes from God and his action. And then our last question is this, what do we do? What do we do? Sometimes... We work our way backwards through these questions. 
We try to find our identity, not in who God is and what he's done for us, but we try to find our identity in what we're doing. And so maybe you're sitting here today and you feel like, you, you feel guilt and you feel shame because we've already started out talking about being a servant, but yet you don't feel like a servant. And you just wish we weren't talking about being servants today. But the reality is that in Christ, this is who you are. Even if you're not doing a very good job right now, this is who you are. And so that guilt and that shame should fade away because the grace and goodness of God comes back and speaks to us. No, no, no. You didn't start out your salvation by working. Don't, don't continue in it in works. Be firmly rooted in who I say that you are. See, as, as God's people, we tend to have a crisis of identity. We tend to forget who we are. And then we try to figure out how to become what we want to become when all the while the gospel is preaching over us that we already are in Christ. So Paul starts out this way to the church at Philippi. He says this, remember the gospel. I'm going to propose to us three things today that I think will help us Remember who we are and live out of it. Live as servants joyfully and consistently. Paul calls the church to remember. He says this, If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, and then he goes on. It's not as if Paul is saying, Is there anything good in the gospel? That's not what he's saying. He's saying, remember what is good. Remember the gospel and its implications. Remember the answer to those four questions of who God is and what he's done for you and who you are in Christ. Because Paul is about to call the church to live as servants, to live as Jesus lived. But he remembers, he knows that as human beings, if we are not firmly rooted in our gospel identity, that very quickly... We're not going to serve with joy. And we're going to stop serving consistently. So the first thing that I think is going to help us as God's people to live out of our identity is one, that we remember the gospel. That we remain firmly rooted in our identity by remembering the gospel. Now remembering is active. Remembering is something that we have to do actively. In fact, the Bible is full of really bad examples of people who, who didn't actively remember who God is and what he had done for them. Let's step back into the Old Testament for just a minute, and I want to share two stories with you. The first is the garden story. It's the story we have in Genesis chapter 3, where, where in Genesis 1 and 2, God creates man, and he says that he created them in what? In his image. And then he tells them who they are. He says, now because of who I am and because I'm the creator, then this is who you are. And this is then how you live. But the enemy, the liar, he shows up and says, did God really say this? Are, are, you, are you really like God already? Or, or, 
Or if you do something, couldn't you then become more? Oh. And here's the lie that I buy into. Here's the lie that we begin to believe. That there's something more that we can do as God's people to become more like him. Did you hear that? That there's something more we can do as God's people to become more like him. When the reality is, our identity never comes from what we do, but always comes from who God is and what he's done. And so Paul tells the church, remember, remember the gospel, remember the implications of the gospel. Another story of of God's people forgetting who they are. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, you may remember this story. You may remember that Moses came down off the mountain with the Ten Commandments and he presents it to God's people, the people of Israel, whom God has called for himself. He has given them a name and he said, you are going to be light to the world. You are going to be a blessing to the nations. The promise that I gave to Abraham, Genesis 12, to be a blessing to the world. That is who you are and I'm calling you to live out of it. That that living according to my ways will, will help the whole world see who I am. Deuteronomy 6, Moses commands the people to remember. He says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Then he says this, these words that I'm giving you today shall be on your heart. And then he gives them a list of remembering. Talk about them when you lie down and when you get up and when you walk along the road. Bind them as signs on your hand and on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your homes. Remember who God is and what he's done for you. And then Moses passes away and leadership is transitioned to a young man named Joshua. And in Judges chapter 2, we see something that is so terrible take place in the life of God's people. Judges 2 says that the whole generation that had experienced the goodness of God, bringing them out of bondage, bringing them out of slavery, bringing them out of Egypt, bringing them out from under a terrible king named Pharaoh so that they could serve the Most High God, that these people didn't pass it on. They stopped remembering. And in Judges 2, a whole generation rose up that did not know who God was and what he had done for them. And all of a sudden, they began to act very differently than the way God desired. They believed a lie. They had forgotten who they were. Paul calls those of us who are in Christ to remember the gospel. So how do we do that as God's people? How do we actively remember the gospel? And I think this is where community comes into play. Is that first we meditate on it regularly. We have the gospel preached over us on Sundays. We we remember it in our community groups, in our devotional time at home and with our families. We're constantly going back to who God is and what he's done for us in Christ. 
But then I think it also looks like this, that we become a gospeling people. And I think I just made that word up. That, that we're fluent in the gospel with one another, that we preach the gospel over one another's lives. You see, the gospel is not something that we graduate from. It's not just about where we're going one day when our life here is over. The gospel has implications for you and I right here, right now, because it absolutely impacts our very identity. And so if we're going to be a gospel-believing people, a gospel-remembering people, so that we can live as the servants whom God has called us to be, we've got to meditate on it. And then we've got to proclaim it to one another. In our home groups and in our families, it should be second nature that when something comes up and someone's struggling with something, we go to them and say, let's remember who we are. Let's remember who we are. When our marriages are falling apart, and the husband and wife don't know how to respond to one another. The community comes around and says, remember who God is and what he's done for you. That he is a forgiving and gracious and merciful God who loves you. And regardless of what you have done, he is wooing you back to himself. And God desires that you would be that type of people. That you'd be a forgiving people. That you'd be a people of reconciliation. And as we begin as a church body to get better about preaching the gospel over one another, we begin to be a healthier people. So that when we see a statement like, we are servants of King Jesus who serve others as Christ has served us, we don't go, oh no, he's going to ask me to serve in children's ministry. (laughs) Right? Instead, we go, praise God, this is who we are. And I look forward to an opportunity to serve King Jesus by serving others. So the first thing we have to do is we have to be firmly rooted in our gospel identity. The second thing is this. If we're going to be a people who, who live out of this identity and do it with joy and do it consistently, If we're going to be that type of people, then we have to actively remember the gospel. And then secondly, we need to serve as Jesus served. As Jesus served. Do you see what Paul did here? Remember the gospel. And then he says here in verse 3, now now this is how we serve. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility... In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. And that would be great. We could just stop there. And if we didn't do a good job uh, of serving others in humility, then maybe there would be an excuse for us if we don't have a new identity. But then Paul goes on to preach the gospel. And he says, now Jesus is our example. He's the example. You see, Jesus didn't just die for us so that we could live forever, but he died for us so that we could live for him. And and it's out of this servant identity that we now get to live. So we, we serve as Jesus served. So how did Jesus serve? Look at the beautiful words that Paul writes down, starting in verse five. Have this mind among yourselves. He says this, it now belongs to you in Christ. Do you see that beautiful identity statement? This is yours 
in Christ. This mind of Christ that he's about to expound on, this is true of you and I in Christ. He says this, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or held on to. If we're going to serve as Jesus served, we have to get to a place where we are willing to be made low so that others can be raised up. If I'm being honest with you, I really struggle here. Why? Why does Josh really struggle? And I think it's this. I think it's that I need to go back and remember the gospel again. I think it's that that I have forgotten to the extent by which I've been served. I think I get to a place in my life, and, and, and maybe you do too, where you have forgotten that you have been fully served and there is nothing left that you need in Christ. Can, can we believe that together today? Can we believe the gospel Can we believe the reality, the truth, that because of what Christ has done for us that we have everything? That we have everything. My wife is an excellent servant. She serves our family much better than I do, and, and, and she leads in that way so often. And we were talking this week because we, she knew what I was preaching about. Poor girls had to hear the sermon two or three times already, and mostly in the car. And, uh, and I said, why is it that we tend to be in a place where we don't want to serve? And her response was, she's on a healthy kick right now. She's doing a great job of staying healthy. She said, I think it's because we don't remind ourselves of what God has done for us. She says, you know, I'm eating better because I am reminding myself that that God has created me and that I'm valuable. And because I'm valuable, I should make better choices. I need to believe that because I've had pizza three times this week. That's real. And so if we're going to serve as Christ has served us, we better remember how Christ has served us. Because we're not going to to be willing to be made low if we don't realize that we've already been risen up. You know, Paul says this, that we are now co-heirs with Christ. Co-heirs with Christ. If you go home and you want to read something this week, check out Ephesians chapter 1. This is a beautiful picture of the gospel that reminds us of the implications of who we are. That because of who God is and what He's done for us, this is who we are. We're co-heirs. Everything that we need has been given to us. We need nothing else. And, And now, now my cup is full. Now my cup overflows. And now I can serve. But if we're walking around believing a lie, if we're walking around believing that we haven't been given all that we need, then it's our sinful tendency to go and find it. Paul says this, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. 
When we serve, why do we serve? Do we serve because we've been served and we need nothing else? Or do we serve because we're trying to gain something? He goes on to say this. Jesus, verse 7, emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. As we read the Gospels, we see something really cool about Jesus understanding who he is. As we look at the passion narrative and Jesus leading up to Easter Sunday, right, where he knows on Good Friday he's going to the cross and on Easter he's going to rise, the scriptures tell us this, that knowing who he was and where he was going, he then submitted to the will of the Father and went to the cross. Do you know who you are? Do you know where you're going? Because if we don't get that right, it's going to be difficult for us to ever serve or impossible for us to ever serve us, uh, ever serve others as Christ has served us. Do you know who you are and where you're going? Look at the beauty of the gospel. This God who is Christ, who is the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity. Deuteronomy 6, one Lord. This God who created everyone, you and I. This God who exists above all. This God who Pastor Crawford just taught about two or three weeks ago. This God who is terrifying and strong and powerful. This is the same God who out of love took on flesh and went to the cross. Do you see the beauty of the gospel? Do you see to the extent by which we have been served? So the first thing we have to do is remember. The second thing we have to do is serve others as Christ has served us. The third thing we have to do is this. This sounds really simple, but we need to identify who it is whom God wants us to serve. Maybe I'm going to say men, but some of you women are probably better, uh, better at this than, than, than some of the men. But have you ever been out to a gun range to shoot, right? And they don't have the targets up yet? Anybody ever been there? Where it's like the targets are not up, right? You're there early, I'm from Texas. There's nobody in here. Okay, that's all right. That's all right. I need to change my illustration for the second uh, second service because you get out there and you don't know you do, you don't know what you're aiming at. You don't know what you're aiming at. And then someone goes out and gives you a, a picture. This is how you're going to be graded. This target is the one you're going for, not the one over there. This one, right? Here's a better illustration for you. I took my discipleship team on Friday to Top Golf. Okay? Got some top golf, top golf players. Got some more heads nodding. Okay, we got this one. This one works. So, so Top Golf has some really cool games. You can choose to play different types of games, right? One of those is that it tells you where you want to put the ball. Okay? I might have, I, I'm going to be honest, uh, I'm not very good. So uh, I might have hit the right target two or three times. I usually hit a target, but it wasn't the right one. And you get negative points for that, right? And so I I actually ended my first game with negative two points. It tells you how terrible I am. Really bad. The, the, The point is this. 
if we don't identify who it is that God has given us to serve, then we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. I think sometimes we walk around feeling as if we're to serve everyone, and to an extent that's true, but then we serve no one. But then we serve no one. So whom has God given you? Serve the people whom God has given you. Who has he given you? And I want to throw out some things that are probably true for for most of us. He's given us a family. Husbands, he's given you a wife. Wife, he's, he's given you a husband. If you're not married, he's given you parents and he's given you brothers and sisters. If you're, if you're, if you're, uh, if you're married and you have kids, then he's given you kids to serve. So you have a family. This is whom God has given you. Who else? He's given you neighbors. Unless you live on one of the really large plots between my house and Roswell, which there are a lot of them. I live in Holly Springs. Unless you live on one of those, you have neighbors. Okay? And, and your neighbors, Acts tells us, Acts 19 tells us that God has chosen the time and place in which you and I were going to live. God knows who your neighbors are. These are the people whom God has given you to serve. Who else? Who else has God given us to serve? He's given us co-workers. He's given us people who work alongside us each day, and he wants us to serve them. And then lastly, he's given us a church family. He's given us one another that we would reveal who God is to one another by the way we serve. You see, really, this is a mission of God issue. Do you see it? That as we serve others as Christ has has served us, we begin to reveal the gospel to those around us. Do we begin to let our neighbors know who Jesus is and what he's like? Do we begin to let our coworkers know who Jesus is and what he's like? Do we let our family regularly be reminded of who God is and what he's done for us? This is, this is a mission-critical issue. And so if God's people don't remember who they are, and they don't serve as Jesus has served, and they don't identify whom God has given them to serve, then we get to a place where the gospel is not remembered and proclaimed and people aren't coming to know the God who has so graciously served you and I and who waits for them to realize that he served them also. Church, I don't want us walking away today feeling guilty. I don't want us walking away today feeling shame. I don't want us walking away today going, oh no, I'm a terrible servant. I want us to walk away today with a better picture of the gospel. I want us to walk away today remembering that even if you messed it up really bad this week and you you threw cans in your neighbor's yard instead of going over and helping them mow, even if you told your wife that you weren't going to eat her food this week because it was just like last week, even if you told your children that they couldn't play uh, the games that they wanted to play because you were playing them, however selfish that may sound, none of these are from my own life. You know, even if you did these things, the truth is this, that God loves you right where you are, regardless of what you're doing. That's the truth of the gospel. That's the truth of the gospel. And the good news for you and I today is this, that our poor service yesterday doesn't change our identity today. Amen?
And here's some more good news, that our excellent service tomorrow doesn't change our identity tomorrow. Isn't that good news? That we are now not caught up in the rat race and the endless cycle of trying to earn our identity that's been given to us in Christ. Then Paul finishes with this beautiful verse. He says this. Verses 10 and 11. So that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Our lives bring glory to God as we reveal Jesus to those around us. So let's remember together today. Let's remember together. Let's remain firmly rooted in our identity. Let's remember who God is and what he's done. Let's remember how Jesus has served us when he took the towel and washed the feet and went to the cross. Then let's identify whom God has given us so that we can be the people who represent God to the world. Let's pray. Jesus, your name is above every name. Lord Jesus, just speaking your name allows us to praise you. Lord Jesus, we thank you that our identity doesn't come from our own actions. We thank you that our identity comes from who you are and how you have served us. Help us to remember the good news of the gospel today that we would walk away from here recognizing that we are a gospel-transformed people. And because of it, because of who we are, we have an opportunity to reveal you to the world. Help us to better believe. Help us to remember. Help us to identify those whom you've given us. Help us, Lord. May we love one another and encourage one another as a family. May we spur one another on towards good deeds. For those of us who are here today who are hurting, may the gospel move from their head into their heart. For those of us who are here today who know the gospel and are serving, may we be reminded, may we be reminded today of your goodness and your grace and that we can serve full of joy not full of angst. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.